So good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for having us here to speak about Harikatha. And we are going to continue this evening with our detour into the Bhakti Sandarbha. Uh, we're taking this detour because of the Anucheda from the <clears throat> Krishna Sandarbha uh, that emphasized uh, the significance of even being in the proximity of a sadhu, how powerful that was, powerful enough to relieve one of all sinful reaction, more powerful than the Ganges, uh, more efficacious, we would say, in, in relieving one of sinful activity. But there's some qualifiers to that, and because of those qualifiers, and because of Jiva Goswami's mentioning of this 179th Anucheda from his Bhakti Sandarbha in the, uh, where are we, 67th Anucheda of the Krishna Sandarbha, uh, we decided to go there and, and see what he was referencing there. And in doing so, we find out that it's the first of a large group of Anuchedas. Now remember, Anucheda means section. So when we're studying the Sandarbhas, Jiva Goswami is presenting what are Anuchedas or sections of philosophical content uh, to make his points. And in certain sections throughout these Sandarbhas, uh, a few of these Anuchedas make like a, you know, a larger section. So there is such a larger section in the Bhakti Sandarbha that deals specifically with the subject of what is that force that's descending from the transcendental realm that initiates a turning of consciousness to the Supreme. Within the material world, the living entity has no natural inclination towards inquiring into the Supreme. Now, he may have, if well-situated in the mode of goodness after some extended period of time, riding the waves of material nature, goodness, passion, and ignorance going up and down, he may come to a human form of life, and in coming to a human form of life, he may become a little detached from the environment. He may, he may recognize of his own volition that there has to be something more than this. He may be observant enough in the mode of goodness to actually come to this in and of his own uh, inspection of himself and the environment that he's in. This is rare. This is a rare thing. The world is not teeming with Sukadevs. Sukadev was in that position. Sukadev realized, I don't really want what the world has to offer because in taking the world's offering, and the world is only offering this enjoyment or that enjoyment or another enjoyment, I have to take the concomitant suffering that's associated with that enjoyment. So uh, what's Swami's statement? Uh, enjoyment is the... Anyway, he has some fancy say, saying that, uh, you know, our material enjoyment is really... Suffering. huh? The womb from which suffering is born. And that's, that's a pretty profound realization to arrive at 
by ourselves. But it's not impossible. So we see that sometimes you have introspective people that come to that, that every time I enjoy, really all I'm doing is I'm planting the seed of suffering. And that's a profound revelation. So therefore, one becomes a little introspective. And from that introspection, uh, one may give up uh, worldly delights, which are the only delights that we're aware of. We don't have any knowledge of other delights. This is, this is it. We come, we're born, and here it is. Here's something to eat. Here's something to smell, something to you know, look at, you know, from the time we're a little baby, here, have this, do that, you know, be comfortable. So, and if we're not real comfortable, we can scream and somebody immediately <laughs> comes and gives us comfort. And if we're lucky, if we're not so lucky, well, we may just go on screaming for the rest of our lives. But, you know, that's material life, you know, depending on what we, what we reaped in past lives, we may sow something that's not so good, and we may sow, sow something that is, uh, uh, what do they say, uh, he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. <laughs> Everything came up, you know, good. He had nothing to be concerned about. So there's a certain level of introspection that can lead to a certain amount of detachment and that detachment in and of itself without any any outside ingress of transcendence the spirit soul coming to the human form of life can advance to the state of self-realization meaning his self our self his or herself, we may realize we're not this body. We may realize that, uh, you know, that there's no happiness in the world. And we may, through our detachment, have revelation uh, up to the point of impersonal Brahman, experience of, of, of a level of consciousness beyond the sensual in level of consciousness. We call such people who have come to that level jivan muktas. They've become liberated. They're walking liberated personalities. And in our literatures, uh, we look primarily as an example of that to Sukadev Goswami. He was actually free of all material encumbrance and fully self-satisfied. Nothing in the world grabbed, grabbed him. Nothing, nothing attracted him. He could walk naked in the world. He could walk naked, but, but you know, uh, as a man, a young man, uh, beside a, a you know, a group of young naked women and not even be affected. Pretty profound. But even in that state, the real the real beauty of the ingress of a higher level of transcendental realization comes in the form of the the descending uh, manifestation of the Lord's uh, Swarup Shakti. And that Swarup Shakti comes to us through the agency of those who have been blessed with the Swarup Shakti themselves and have taken advantage of that blessing to the point of themselves fully relishing transcendence in a relationship with the Supreme. So here, Jiva Goswami is making the point in the Bhakti Sandarbha that this is the seed from which Bhakti sprouts in the anadi, unending, continual cycles of birth and death for the, for the living entity. This is it. 
Sadhu Sangha. And this is the, well, Jiva even, if we read carefully these, this Bhakti Sandarbha and, and this set of Anuchedas coming in the Bhakti Sandarbha after the glories of Bhakti are being explained, then one would say, well, how can I get this Bhakti? So Jiva's now at that point. Well, this is how you get it. This is where it's available to you. And he goes, he is so bold there in that section to say, and it's only available through the mercy of someone who themselves has bhakti. What do you mean? I can't read a book and get bhakti? I can't, you know, there's all these other, so all these objections could come up. Well, you know, only through the sadhu? Is this the only avenue? Couldn't God make you a bhakti himself? He's God. You're saying that his devotee is more powerful than he is? In dispensing body, bhakti, yes, the bhakta is more powerful than the Lord himself in that dispensation. Except in one extremely extraordinary circumstance. And that's when Krishna himself comes as a bhakta. And then he floods the world with bhakti. So, yes, God himself, he does give bhakti. But it's not the norm. It's the exception to the norm. An exception that comes once in a day of Brahma. An exception that comes in an exceptional way that's only recognized by a few. I mean, the, Bhagav the Bhagavat Purana is there and, you know, this verse, uh, what is it, from the 11th canto, that speaks of the advent of Sri Chaitanya has been there in the Bhagavat Purana, just hidden away until Lord Chaitanya's advent and the Goswami said, oh, this verse is talking about Sri Chaitanya Mahabhavu. Krishna Varnam Tusa Krishnam. Sango, I can't remember it right now. Yeah. Yajnai Sankirtana Prayar Yajantihi Sumedasa. Sumedasa. Not just the bad people, the really bad people. The really bad people get this opportunity. The people that are in Kali Yuga. This is Lord Chaitanya's mercy. This is his dispensation. When he comes as a, as a devotee, it, he floods the world. And if there are people that are so bad that he has to maintain a bit of dignity and not go there, I send his brother. You go there. You handle them. So, a very amazing section here and we were exploring this Anucheta and we will continue where we left off so I'm going to read from the Anucheta directly as it's been presented by Jiva Goswami the reason why a person's material existence comes to an end on meeting a saint is that as soon as such association is obtained one's mind becomes fixed on Bhagavan who is the controller of spirit and matter or the orchestrator of cause and effect the compound word paraveshresi may be interpreted in both of these ways he's the controller and he's the orchestrator the implication of this statement is as follows from a beginningless state, we can't trace it out. The living beings are devoid of knowledge of Bhagavan. And this is the cause of their being turned away from him. We just don't have any knowledge of him. So we're certainly not, not looking in his direction. And he's not generally, you know, manifest in a way although he pervades the whole of his creation, his energies, his shaktis are everywhere and we can perceive those energies through our sensual experiences which are the only thing that we have going for us in a material body. That's it. We 
we have this, we can hear, we can see, we can smell, we can taste, we can feel, we have working senses, and we have a mind that can put it all together into some semblance of, a, of an, ex, an experience that we can relate to through our false sense of self. So that's all we have. So God may be there, but we don't know it. Atashri Krishna Namadi Nabhavid Grahamindriya. Atashri Krishna Namadi Nabhavid Grahamindriya. These indriyas, these senses, can't perceive him. So, the material senses. So that's the point that Jeeva's making here, that, that since beginningless time, we have no experience. So our, our consciousness has naturally been turned away from Bhagavan. We just, we just have no inclination, except what? If we come into contact with a saint. It's not just a Vaishnava saint we're talking about. If you look at, look back at your life, look back at your experiences and your and the and the knowledge that's come to you regarding quote quote God even before you had the good fortune of meeting a Gaudiya Vaishnav there were other Vaishnavs in the world or other traditions that were started by Vaishnavs that gave us some sense of a higher being maybe we grew up we went to church or our parents went to church or our parents were atheists. Well, what's an atheist? An atheist doesn't believe in God. Well, what's God? Well, God's what those other people believe in. Oh, okay. So you don't believe. No, we don't believe in this household of God. Oh, but they do over there. And then you go over and you eat at Jimmy's house as a young boy, and everybody's you know, sitting there before dinner, and it's like they're holding their hands and praying. And, you know, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for the food we're about to eat and all your blessings, and make sure Aunt Mary gets better soon. And you're like, what, who, who are, you, what are you talking about? You know, we don't do that in my house. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we have a sense of God, but where did we get it? We got it from a saint, not maybe directly, but... We got, we got some exposure to that consciousness which was coming by the grace of that personality, whether it be uh, Lord Jesus Christ or depending on what culture we were born in, what part of the world it may have been, another stronger religion, Islam or, or you know, the Jewish tradition. So the Abrahamic traditions. So we have some knowledge. Then all of a sudden, oh, there's a God. There's a God. Oh, that's beyond. What's that mean to me? Oh, uh, oh, it's an order supplier. Oh, I see. I give the money and I get what I want. I pray and, you know, that's, that's a good arrangement. I don't have to work, you know. I can, I can get some fruit or, uh, you know, different conception than what we're what we're striving for having had exposure to a to a theology that allows us a uh, a very profound uh, cultivation of uh, a love bhakti for the Lord that uh, is truly indescribable unimaginable so here Jeeva is talking about the fact that there's there's no turning of consciousness towards Bhagavan since time immemorial the beginningless state of the beginning from a beginningless state the living beings are devoid of knowledge of Bhagavan and this is the cause of their being turned away from it when this ignorance is dispelled the knowledge that enables them to turn their attention toward Bhagavan appears. Therefore, Vidura said to the sage Maitreya. So now, Jiva's doing what he always does. He's starting to build his case. So he's already given us a couple, 
a couple verses of the Bhagavatam, and when he's building a case, the case being, let me transmit this this knowledge to you. So when he's building a case, his primary law book that he refers to to build the case is Srimad Bhagavatam. He does go elsewhere, but he's already back in the Krishna Sandharva, I mean the Tattva Sandharva, established of all the various spiritual evidences that we could use to build a spiritual case, the topmost is the Bhagavatam because it is the essence of the, of the commentary on a Vedanta Sutra. The Vedanta Sutra is the essence of all the knowledge of the Vedas. So this is the essence of the essence and as we said last week there's even a more essence than the essence of the essence and that's uh, Brihat Bhagavata Amrita, the Amrita of, of the Bhagavad itself, uh, as uh, Sanatana Goswami has given it to us. But uh, that's when we're really, we're really, we're, we're all dressed up and we got some place to go. First, we got to learn how to put on our clothes. So that's what Jiva Goswami is doing. He's teaching us how to think. He's not teaching us what to think. He's teaching us how to think how to think, Shastra Yukta, how to use the Shastra to see life in a way where you can benefit from those experiences in your, in your life and in your association with Bhakti itself. So a quote from Vidura to Maitreya. Auspicious devotees of Bhagavad Krishna like you wander in this material world simply to bless those who due to misfortune are turned away from him who are thus irreligious and exceedingly miserable uh, there's a song you don't know what you got to it's gone from our age you, know, you don't know what you got to it's gone, they paved paradise and put in a parking lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're kind of we're kind of like the you know uh, we're now learning you know what we what we can have. So it's kind of a little different thing. But the point is practically the same. We we're learning what what really is the topmost enjoyable platform uh, that we can experience and that is that is a loving relationship with the Supreme uh, beginning with of course uh, an attitude of service which deepens and thickens until uh, we have uh, developed a desire to develop a relationship so Jiva Goswami pulls from this verse and he says, in this verse the word due to misfortune means that due to their past karma and their absorption in it, they are irreligious, dharma sila, which means that they are devoid of Bhagavad dharma or bhakti. Then he goes on to explain a little deeper. In the original verse under discussion, which is from the 10th canto, 51st chapter, 53rd, the use of the correlated adverb yarhi and tada eva from the moment and precisely them means there is no delay in obtaining the result mentioned. Again, remember when we first started this exploration, we were talking about a, state, a, a, a statement made by the, uh, the Muni in the cave, uh, Muchakunda, and Muchakunda said, when your karma's up, then you meet a saint, and Jiva said, hold on a minute. There's some literary things you need to understand about this statement, because in actuality, you meet the saint, and then your karma ends. So, even though Muchakunda said this, and Muchakunda is a devotee of Krishna, really, 
we need to understand it by giving full consideration to the whole theology. And here we go back to the great significance of the Goswami's contribution to our lineage. Shastra Nipano, that they, they're Shastric geniuses. And when they see something that could be could lead to a wrong conclusion, like, oh, okay, so we get to a point in our karmic activity where God takes mercy on us and sends us a saint. No, that's not the way it works. Don't take that away from Muchakunda's statement here. Let me explain. This is the right way to see the statement. So this is Shastric genius to pick up on the of the finest nuance of what could turn into a misconception that could could give us a wrong idea of how one comes into contact with bhakti. That God actually blesses us all of a sudden. He just takes mercy on us and he sends a saint our way. So, what's wrong with that? Well, nothing's wrong with that except it's not how bhakti works. It's as simple as that. Well, isn't Krishna, you know, Sarvashi Chahamam, Chaham Hridi Sunni Visto, Matas Mritir, I'm sitting in everyone's heart. For me comes remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness. By all the Vedas, I'm to be known. So therefore, didn't Krishna inspire the saint to look favorably upon me, and then I get bhakti? No. That's just not the technical way it works according to our Sampradaya. You can't put Krishna, the cart, in front of the horse, Bhakti. The horse leads, the, leads. Krishna is, is completely subservient to his devotees. So what? God's subservient? I, what, my whole definition of God is God is God and who are we and who is anybody else to be looked upon as more more significant than the Lord himself in everything yeah that's right except in bhakti in bhakti in love the love the person that is the the shelter of love the ashraya is is really has the the more important position so, um, what do we say? This is this is this is pretty confidential knowledge here. This is this is the nature of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. This is, you know, the most secret of all secrets. It's the purest knowledge, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita. Rajavidya Rajaguyam Pavitramidam Uttamam. This knowledge is the most secret of all secrets, the purest knowledge, because it gives direct perception of the self by realization. It is the perfection of religion. So, means that there is no delay in obtaining the result mentioned. In other words, when a person obtains the association of a devotee, at that very moment, a devotional inclination is awakened towards you. At that very moment, the inclination is there. It's planted. The seed is planted. That is the seed of bhakti. We once we we sometimes ask, well, what is this seed? We keep hearing about this seed of bhakti. What is it? It's an inclination. What is it? It's the intent. That's what the bhakta seed is. That's what the bhakta gives us. He he. He inspires in us the inclination, the intent to turn our consciousness towards the Supreme. His association alone is that, provides that intent in so many different ways. And that the ways that that transpires for us is 
it varies from situation to situation. So in this Anucheta, Jiva Goswami is pointing out those different situations so that we can understand these profound statements in Scripture, in, in the Srimad Bhagavatam, as to the efficacy of bhakti, how super powerful bhakti is. That even be in being in the proximity of such a state, of such a saint, immediately that intent is planted in us to turn our consciousness towards Bhagavan, that turning of consciousness. So, but it, but, but that statement may not reconcile with our experience, what we observe, what we read about in Scripture. So Jiva is saying, well, let's go through it systematically, anucheta by anucheta, one little kernel of transcendental knowledge followed by another, followed by another, pounding the post of our understanding until there's no misunderstanding. Because we could say, oh, well, I was with my spiritual master who's definitely a saint, and he was walking through the airport, and other people were there, but they didn't immediately become devotees. I couldn't, I didn't observe that. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that, that was there. Why didn't they? And now, Jiva's going step by step in this Anucheta to give different examples of why it may not have happened in such a way that was immediately observable. Or it may not have happened because there is some offense that's standing in the way. Well, I thought offense, if the offense, you could say, wouldn't that be a good argument? Well, does that mean that my filthy, dirty, offensive material mentality is more powerful than bhakti? What, what, then what's bhakti? I thought bhakti was the internal potency, the strongest potency. You keep talking about a bhakti this, bhakti that, nothing can conquer bhakti. Bhakti conquers all, love conquers all. You can live in a you know, in the hollow of a tree, if you have bhakti, it doesn't matter. Wow, sounds like it's pretty powerful. And then all of a sudden you're saying that the offense, an offensive mentality, can stand in the, in the way of the ingress of bhakti. No, no, it's not like that. So these are the kind of, of thoughts, these are the kind of things that these impediments that we could bring forth and Jiva is so kind that he does it for us. Consider this, what about that? Well, wouldn't that make this power more powerful than that? So what's the position of Bhakti? Oh, Krishna's the most powerful? Well, why does he submit to, you know, Radha <laughs> in every instance? So this is, this is, the, the extraordinary position of Srila Jiva Goswami in our Sampradaya, that he can he can take all of these all of these nuanced uh, insights and fully unpack them where even a dullard like myself can begin to glimpse them in some way. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing. And the more and the deeper uh, that we're able to understand these things, this Sambandha Gyan, then the more our practice, Abhideya, is properly nourished, that we don't let misconceptions get the better of our bhakti. We don't, we become so absorbed in these understandings that our mind and our inclinations since, well, even here, since time immemorial, we can't trace out the beginning, pull us back into 
mental speculations that stand in the way of bhakti. No, we, we gather together in, in a sangha, we, we study, and in that study, our mind is automatically fixed. This is what I want. This is such a wonderful, wonderful thing, this opportunity to, to advance in bhakti, to understand, to association with, associate with the bhaktas. It's so wonderful that I don't have time for this other nonsense. And when it jumps in my way, okay, I just, I do what I have to do to get through the day, but my focus is on bhakti. My focus is where the highest fruit, the highest nourishment of enjoyment is afforded in my existence. So at that very moment, at that very moment, well, that really needs to be explained to me because I don't understand it. I can see instances where I just, like Guru walked through the airport and I didn't see the person turn around, see the saint, the saint who, who I've dedicated my whole existence to, he didn't turn around to me to say, Hare Krishna, and, and throw his briefcase, you know, <laughs> aside and immediately start dancing uh, with the devotees who were walking with my guru. I didn't see that. What immediate? What do you mean by immediate? So, what do we mean by immediate? Let's go on. The restrictive particle, eva, in tada eva, precisely or only at that time indicates that a devotional attitude toward Bhagavan is not awakened at any other time than upon contacting the devotee of Bhagavan. At that time. So Jeeva is saying, really what, what this means here is one thing. Of course it means immediately, but it means also it's the beginning of. It may not manifest. So there may be the influence, what we would see as the influence of time as deterring that immediacy. But from a transcendental perspective, it's immediate because why? On the transcendental platform, what's not there? The influence of time. We're, of course, programmed to believe <laughs> that immediately means in the purview of my, my field of, of knowledge and my field of experience. So when you say immediate, I think it's going to happen instantaneously. From the transcendental viewpoint, it happens instantaneously. But from our viewpoint, we're not experiencing it that way because of our conditioned nature. That will be, come out as we go forward. But yes, go ahead. It also means like proximity because you could say my immediate surroundings doesn't have to do with time. It's like proximity. And that also is going to be totally unpacked as we go forward. So yeah, you're correct. Jiva Goswami continues. The reason why the devotional inclination is awakened toward Bhagavan by the association of devotees is given by the word sadgatau, which is an adjective for Bhagavan. The word sat means the saints and gati here means an appearance or vision of Bhagavan within the mind. This indicates that Bhagavan manifests wherever the saints gather together, for that is where the devotional inclination to him is awakened. The same idea is expressed in the Itihasa Samuchaya. And Jiva quotes it. Bhagavan Vishnu or Vasudeva is present everywhere, wherever his devotees who are devoid of material attachment assemble. O king, there is no doubt about this. Goes on, he presents a, an alternative meaning to that. And 
then he raises an objection by pointing us in the direction of the Leela of the prostitute uh, Pingala. So she, as we mentioned, just we kind of glimpsed at this in the last discussion, what? She's a prostitute. She was having a bad night. No one was coming. Nobody was coming in. She was standing in her doorway and she could not entice anybody. So all evening, no customers. I mean, Bhakti Ross and I have had this direct experience. All day, you sit in your retail store and there's no customers. You know, you may go outside. You you want to stop people on the street and say, get the hell in my store and buy something. I got to pay the rent. I got to eat. What the hell's wrong? You know, so here's the same thing. Here's, here's, a, here's somebody who has a different product. We sold crystals and rocks and books and clothing and all kinds of incense and gemstones. And it was a great store and nobody comes in all day. <laughs> nobody? You mean nobody? <laughs> yeah, I mean nobody. Some days, nobody. You know, maybe. Not ready. It's, you decide, well, it's, it's in the middle of the winter. We're going to close at 5 o'clock because when the sun goes down, there is no nobody. And then finally, at the very end, 4.45, somebody walks in, looks around and walks out. Well, somebody came in at least. So that was, she was having that kind of a day. So if you haven't been there and done that, I'm just trying to give you some idea what it's like, and it's not very, not very. Collecting inside, Kirtan, distributing books or collecting or whatever. Yeah, okay. Nobody, 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 nobody. <laughs> so she was having a, a hell of a night. Finally, she takes her shingle down, turns off her red light, you know, and she goes inside and she says, what the hell, what kind of life is this that I'm leading? You know, this is, this is, this is not very good. You know, and I've been doing this. And even when I have customers, she started to contemplate her situation. She finally realized I should turn my consciousness towards God. I should give up this, this life and really just focus on, on something that can re is really satisfying. So, Jiva writes here, in the case of the prostitute Pingala, who later developed a devotional attitude towards Bhagavan, although there is no direct mention of her obtaining the association of saints, it is to be understood that she had received such association. This is made clear from her own words. So, then Jiva quotes from the Srimad Bhagavatam, a statement that she made, or a statement that's in the Bhagavatam, that says, wait, actually, she did have association with the saints. So, although in the direct presentation of her life, we don't see, oh, Narda came. You know, sometimes in the Bhagavatam, more often than not in the narrations of the Bhagavat Purana, a saint walks into somebody's life and they become devotionally inclined. But here in this narration, we don't see a saint walked into her life. Nobody came, you know, nobody came. Whereas in most narrations, we have some direct evidence of a saint coming into the life. Narda came into the life of uh, Nalakuvar and Manigriva. You know, Narda came into someone. Narda comes into a lot of people's lives. He's a very active devotee. You know, but Gira, so many other saints are there, you know, coming in. So, so Jiva says, but let's look at this verse. There's a verse here that gives us a clue that actually, um, in this city of Videha, I am the only fool because I am an unchaste woman who has forsaken Bhagavan Krishna, who bestows real knowledge of the self. And I have been desiring enjoyment with common men. This is a statement she makes. What? Well, how could she make a statement like that if a saint hadn't come into her life? I mean, as we 
said earlier, you know, we hear. So she definitely heard about God, just like we may go to Johnny's house for dinner and, you know, they're there praying and we've heard about, we hear, oh, God. So Jiva goes on and he says like this, he says, Swamipod comments. So he doesn't comment himself. Again, we go back to the great commentary of Sridhar Swami on the Bhagavad Purana, which Jiva often quotes. And he says, Swamipod, meaning Sridhar Swami says, this verse is spoken to indicate Pingala's lamentation that even after obtaining the association of saints, she had fallen into bewilderment. This is the underlying inclination of her statement. So, again, without the commentaries, the great commentators on the Bhagavad Purana, how can we enter into the deeper meanings and have some understanding? It needs to be explained. Uh, I heard an interesting comment on uh, one of the most recent uh, uh, question and answers from Madhavan that I, I just, I think I got it today. Uh, I think it was just from last night, actually. They're finally getting very quick at sending me everything to put up online. And, and uh, Guru Maharaj was even talking there. He said, you know, you just have to hear from the devotees. You know, sometimes even reading the books is not going to do you any good. It's only going to confuse you. What's more important is hearing the explanation from the devotee. Even so, you know, until we've, we've developed some some qualification to understand and that's what we're obtaining here that's what Jeeva is giving us in his Sandarvas the qualification to properly approach Shastra and the Guru is also giving that in the beginning well, just come and hear from me don't don't be so quick to read this book and that book and this and that and everything else it's more important that you hear from me in the beginning and hear the proper explanation because to go to the scripture without some strong background, some foundation in spiritual knowledge that I can give you, you may misunderstand things. Like you may misunderstand that Pungala actually came to the realization that she should worship God all by herself. So she didn't get the seed of bhakti from the saint. So... I just read uh, yesterday, Sridhar Maharaj was saying um, when he was a new devotee in, in the Mott with Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, they were not allowed to read. They were told not to read the scriptures. They were just to do service and to hear from the Guru. Mm. So, uh, uh, we'll end up here. Thus, in cases where individuals have devote, have become devotees without any apparent association of the saints, Jiva writes, it should be assumed that they obtained such association either at some other time in this life, in a previous life, or indirectly. And we will begin next class with the following objection that Jiva brings up. That objection is, so, if the association of devotees is the cause of developing a devotional attitude towards Bhagavan, why is it that some people don't become devotees in spite of coming into such association? Any questions? I've heard that um, the path of Raganuga is more dependent on association than the path of Vaidhi Bhakti. I don't know if you have heard that or how that might fit in. Um, I'm not sure exactly. The path of Raganuga is more dependent on association that is the path of Vaidhi. Yes. That's a proper... And so how might that fit into like 
these points do you like is jiva talking about bhakti in general mm -hmm. okay so, so even to start vaidhi you're going to need some association of the saints mm -hmm. but vaidhi bhakti is more let me avoid it's more a point vaidhi is more centered on what neti neti don't want this don't want that i certainly don't want to suffer the suffer uh, you know for my sinful life and I certainly want to go to heaven and I want to enjoy or in this in the case of the Vaidhi Bhakti I want to go to Vaikuntha and I want to I want to have I want to be liberated in Vaikuntha I may not even want you know so that when we say Bhakti of course we mean an association with the Lord but we could be want to have you know the same opulence as he has or the same you know form as he has we may just want to be with him. So these kind of liberations are there, uh, which are the objective of the of Sambhaktis. And the path of Raganuga is 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 in a it, it's in an entirely different it's beyond I don't care if I'm liberated. I uh, the path itself is my attainment. That's how humble and how how focused the the rag bhakta path is that I become completely satisfied just to be on the path. I don't look ahead. I look to what I I look to if I could just stay in the association of the saints of the sadhus of my spiritual master. I'm safe here course he's always nudging me along and pulling me he's pulling me and saying well you know I got a place with Krishna and I've made I'm making a place for you there so you follow me Ragmarg, follow to go behind so Raganuga Bhakti means we follow the Ragatmikas those that are in, in the uh, the the permanent associates of the Lord under by following our guru because he's making a place for us there. That's his grace. That's his mercy upon us. But our position is there's nothing that I could do to deserve such a place. So the level of humility that's bore of the path of Raganuga Bhakti is extremely profound. And yes, it is different from the Vaidhi Bhakti. Vaidhi Bhakti, of course, starts with the same seed coming through the association, but the Rag Bhakti path is, is one that has no aspiration for, as Guru Maharaj says, what do you say, spiritual perks or something like that. So, yeah. So would you say Jiva is kind of mainly addressing that like initial seed, the spark, like the initial spark? That's what he's talking about here in this section of the Bhakti Sandharva, yes. Anything else? And that that um, association could have happened like a hundred lifetimes ago, a thousand lifetimes ago, with the saint? A uh, hundred lifetimes, a thousand lifetimes, I... Mm, You'd have to be extreme. You would have, have had to have done some extremely profound offense to Bhakti herself for it to lie dormant for such an extended period of time as you're speaking of. Generally, Bhakti, even if we if we continue, if we don't walk away. And that's the that's very significant. If we can just stay in the association of devotees, despite however hard of a time we're having, however, all we have to do is just stay in the associations and keep our nose clean of offending the that association. We're good to go. We're going to make steady progress in spite of ourselves. That's the only thing we have to do is just stay in the association of the devotees and 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 not not be offensive to them that, uh, and 
if we look to our path specifically uh, that's that's come to us through the grace of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, it's coming through the primary practice of Harinam Sankirtan. So we're 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 actually involved in chanting the Lord's holy name as most efficacious for us in this age. So if we have the right conceptions, there's only three of, of the ten offenses that are actually can destroy our bhakti. To uh, give some interpretation, to think it's imagination, or to think that the holy name is equivalent to other, any other auspicious ritualistic thing that's put forth in the scripture. If we can avoid those three misconceptions, even offenses to devotees, or committing sins on the strength of chanting. So here's five five offenses, half of the offenses to the holy name, three of them actually stand in opposition to bhakti according to Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. He discusses this in his commentary where the life of uh, Ajamil is discussed in the sixth canto. Three things. So if we give some interpretation to the holy name, if we give some, uh, you know, if we... Uh, Think that the, the that all these all these all these statements in the shastra that say the holy name can immediately free you of all sins. If we you know if we minimize those statements in our mind, if we think that that's not possible, that it's just imagination. That's what being it's just an imaginary thing. Uh, or if we uh, actually think that it's the same as any other ritualistic activity. Those three things can actually stop us in our tracks spiritually. Those are just conceptual orientation. We just have to get past those misconceptions. And, uh, you know, if they're coming in to us, we need to sit down with, the, with the, our spiritual master and with the, the saints and the sadhus that we're associated with and, and, and get those worked out. Then there's two other offenses that will make us continue to suffer. Not suffer karma, but suffer spiritual spiritual result, spiritual uh, spiritual. Actually, you know, it may appear like material suffering, but it's 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 given by the Lord Himself, and that is to uh, to be uh, you know uh, sadhu ninda to to offend the devotees of the Lord uh, in any way, or to. Uh, commit sinful activity on the strength of chanting. Those will not stop your progress in bhakti, but you actually will suffer because of them. All the other five offenses, the other five offenses, just keep chanting. You're not going to suffer if you commit them, and eventually if you keep chanting, they will fall away. And those two offenses, if you keep chanting and don't continue to Engage in those offenses, they will also be completely, they'll completely go away. I don't know how I got there. What were we talking about? Uh, Once you. Yeah, so you were saying millions and millions of years. It's yeah. an accelerated pace. Yeah, so I, I think that would be an extreme, an, an exception. But again, we're talking about not a turning of consciousness towards Bhagavan in a general way. We're talking about turning our consciousness to Bhagavan in a very specific way, and that is an ingress of the mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So that's that dispensation. The other dispensation, just general knowledge of God. Yes, you could you could still linger in the material world, world until you've really focused on making that. Uh, an objective of your existence. You're not going to get there until you really want to go there. And you know when we when we talk about associating with the with the dispensation of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which was what we've been 
graced with now, uh, we're not talking millions of lifetimes here. We're talking, this is some very extraordinary. Namo Mahabharadaya Krishna Prima Pradayate. You know, this is, this is a dispensation. Golokaya Premadan, Harinam Sankirtan. This is, this is Krishna's most intimate uh, dispensation of uh, opportunity. Does that answer the sense? All right, I thank you very much for your association. Thank you.